Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we, of course, are the hosts of the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well. What say you? Uh, nothing. I'm just in the big below. Going to help a million people <laughs> get better today. Yeah. No what's good. the what's the what's the temp up in Buffalo? Um, thirty-four. Ooh. Yeah, you need to yeah. you need to head back down to Florida. Uh, I believe you were saying uh, off air before we went live. You were telling me you're heading back down in what I guess a couple of weeks, uh, beginning of April, uh, for another boot camp. So you'll be coming down to sunny Florida once again, right? I will be. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll welcome you back. Uh, a little bit later on, but um, all right, we've got a great show for you this morning. We're going to be uh, joined here momentarily by a uh, uh, very lovely young lady from the Epson Tour, uh, Sophie Hausman, and a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by Debbie Waitkus. Uh, she's a speaker, author, and founder of Golf for Cause, and she's going to be giving us an update on the uh, Marilyn Smith uh, Pro-Am and everything that's been going on uh, uh, coming up here in the next uh, little bit, so she'll be joining us on the second half, but let me just tell you a little bit about our first guest uh, this morning. Uh, she is. Uh, she started playing uh, golf at the age of four. Uh, some of her hobbies, including skiing, uh, sports in general, and always loved to play soccer and tennis. Uh, she claims to be a huge Mickey Mouse fan, and we'll talk to her a little bit about that. Uh, her career victory, she had a win last season. You may recall she joined us on March 30th uh, after she won the 2021 IOA Championship. And uh, her overall uh, 2021 season in a nutshell. She played in 20 events, uh, made 12 cuts, and uh, had top three, uh, top three, ten, uh, or sorry, three top ten finishes, including uh, her victory at the IOA. Uh, and this past week, she played at the 2022 Carlisle Arizona Women's Golf Classic, uh, where she finished tied for fifth. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning. Uh, welcome her back, in fact, Sophie Hausman. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We're glad you're here. Yeah. <laughs> Good to be back. So I have to ask, you're the defending champion this week, aren't you? That's true. Yes, I am. Have you ever been a defending champion before? 
just an amateur golf. I thought about this. I'm like, oh, this is something new. And then I'm like, well, you've done it in like in a college event. Um, but yeah, I mean, a little different, a little similar. So yeah, looking, looking forward to it. It's exciting. Yeah. Why don't you just show them it wasn't a fluke and do it again? Exactly. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> like, watch this, girl. I'm here to yeah. stay. That's right. Uh, Ted, go That's ahead. R- okay, so Sophie, I want to uh, talk about um, this past week um, at the uh, uh, Carolina Women's uh, uh, Golf Classic, uh, Arizona Classic, and you started off in the, with the first round. You, you came out very strong with a 65 uh, to take the early lead. Tell us about that round in general. Um, how were you feeling coming out? Were you pretty confident going into uh, the first round, um, obviously you finished uh, very confident with the 65, but how were you feeling coming in um, so early in the season? Were you, was your game feeling pretty uh, pretty tight or what? Um, so, I mean, yeah, we only played like one event before and one other event I played in, so it's like early on in the season you try, you, you practice a lot in the off season, but now it's feel like it's time to, to see if you can if you can play it on the course and under pressure, under circumstances, so I was, but I do really like going to Arizona. I do like the golf course. And when I got there, I was like, okay, let's check out the greens. I feel like that's usually one of my main things. I kind of um, can see early on in the week um, how, how I like them or not. And, and things just really, really fit in that week. And then um, first round, I mean, I, I just really told myself, well, give yourself opportunities because I do feel like, and you could tell by the scores later on, it is a golf course where you have to make birdies. So I'm like, okay, put yourself in a position, but don't force anything because we all know how that can go. And um, right. it, But sometimes it's harder to do than on other days. And that day I could just really stick to to my game plan and to play within myself. And um, like, and actually, yeah, till the end, I mean, there was a little you know, nine, tenth hole, I didn't play it the way I wanted to be, but I'm like, okay, Sophie, it's all good, just, just really keep focusing on where you're at right now, and um, yeah, then had a good stretch coming in, and um, and yeah, so it, it was it was really fun, of course, um, but and good to see that, that things are kind of working the way you want, you kind of worked on things, and so yeah, that's that's always good. Yeah, and you, you had, a, as I said, a great start on day one. Day two, uh, you shot a 69 and tied, actually, mm-hmm. for first place with, in- with Ingrid Nunez. In fact, you both swapped scores because she shot a 69 day one to your 65, and then you flipped the script. You shot a 69 day two, and she shot a 65. Uh, so that put you in a tie for, for first. Day three, uh, you hit 70 um, to actually... Uh, dropped down to fourth, um, and actually uh, the ultimate winner of the event, uh, uh, Fatima Keno, uh, ended up um, piecing together a 61 on day three to move yeah. into first. So that that had to that had to excuse the language that had to suck a little bit because uh, she didn't really play great the first couple of rounds. She actually shot I think the first two rounds she shot 70, which is a good score. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, when you're hitting 65 and 69, respectively, and then all of a sudden, you know, she drops the the proverbial bomb at 61, 
on on the final day to to basically capture the win. But I want to I want to move to day four because there's some interesting things I noticed. I looked at the scores throughout. Um, so on day four, you started off with three birdies on the front, so you had a great start. You had another birdie on the back, but you made three bogeys, beginning with hole number 10. I think you parred number 11, and then 12 and 13, you got two more bogeys before you ended up uh, coming into the final stretch. So what, what do you think in your mind? So you obviously had a great first few rounds. You had a great start to the fourth round. What do you think in your, as you reflect back now, what do you think happened in the back nine? Were the holes just a little tougher, the pin placements? What happened on those three holes? Um, I mean, in general, I feel like even the second and third rounds, I was always playing pretty well the front nine. And then I, I told my coach later, I'm like, I felt like I didn't get a game plan for the 10th hole. I played a three over overall, like my three bogeys. And mm-hmm. um, that's kind of... And then on 12, I just hit the drive left into not an unplayable. And, but I told her, like, I don't really... Because, like, especially for the final round, I'm like... It's another round where if you go low or shoot a score, it's great. But really, this again, like play within yourself because that's kind of what I sometimes try to do when I see the leaderboard and I try to catch the leader instead of saying, okay, let's see what you can shoot today and go from there. So I didn't really feel like I put a X amount of pressure on me because like even leaderboards, they are nine and then they don't really come up till 15, 16. So I'm like... It's maybe mm. good because you play and then you kind of see. Um, so I feel like really 10 and 12, it was just two bad golf shots that I hit. Maybe at the time where you think, okay, she wasn't focused or was nervous, but it was like I still couldn't get the or put the pieces together for a good round. I wouldn't really say it's it's a yeah loss of concentration there. So. Um, but it, it kind of sucked because it was always this whole 10 to 15. I'm like, Sophie, there's something moving on. I don't know if it's early in the season and you kind of maybe do lose a little bit of, you know, concentration that you don't get aware of or just get a little bit tired. Um, but you definitely have to figure it out <laughs> for the next two events um, <laughs> because it does cost you stroke. And I was like, when I was on my way to Bowman, I did check the, did check the, the payout for the week, and then I saw this one mm. shot, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> that was busty." But yeah, you know, it cost, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it, it costs you money. Yeah, it costs so you money. Even a even yeah. a shot or two can can make a big difference. So when 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 you look at at your overall play, obviously you played very solid throughout the week. I mean, you you played some again. You came in as the leader on day one. You tied uh, day two, of course, but. Um, and and you continued to play solidly. Where were you on the front nine? Uh, you know, at some point you were able to see a, a leaderboard um, before you hit number ten. Where were you positioned at that point? Where were you sitting? Were you, you know, um, you know, number two, three? Where, uh, were you still number four from the day before? Where were you sitting at by the time you you made the turn? In the final round or in the sorry? Yes, final round. Sorry, yes. Uh, final round, taking the turn, I think, well, I took the turn at 15, and I think Fatih was still at 15 then, so I think it was tight for the lead, but I knew she would play nine at all, and I'm like, nine is like a fairly good birdie, even eagle chance, so, um, and then also with those tough fives coming up, um, 
I was like, okay, there's, there's still a lot of golf left. But I think it was tied for the lead, maybe second. Um, okay. Yeah, but I'm not 100%. So you were, you were definitely knocking at the door coming in on that final round yes. until those, yes. mm-hmm. those three holes came up and, so. and, and kind of bit you. Yeah, that, that, that's, you know, that's when it really, I think, Cindy, would you agree? I mean, from a mental standpoint, um, you know, when you're coming in, you're sort of going that close with, with in the lead, um, you know, again, whether it's one or two or even three, and then suddenly, you know, you string a few holes that just don't go your way, that can play uh, a little bit on the mind too. Would you agree? And, and, and then go ahead if you have uh, questions. Well, of course, absolutely. But let me ask you this. Why was this course so easy to score on? Because the Maryland Smith Pro-Am is going to be there, and there's a senior tour coming up, and I'm going to play in this event with uh, Kitty Robine. So I need to know a little bit about the course. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, why was it so easy well, to score? Um, well, I feel like compared to the last two years, it was less windy. Um, so that's definitely a point. And the past five good opportunities, like some of them are like reachable in two. So that just, you know, gives you a chance. And then even if you lay up, I feel like the the wet shot is, is a shot where you can we can maybe make an up and down with. So I feel like those four past five over four days just give you like 16 opportunities right there. And then the greens were just, I, I really liked them. They were ro- ro- rolling very true. There were a few pitch marks, like not as um, crispy as they have been sometimes in the past. Like, like I think two years ago we played it in like the summertime, so it was a little more crispy. So I just felt like they were really rolling the way you kind of wanted it to and um pins were fair i wouldn't say overly easy but like just in a in a good spot and i feel like if you can see the putts going in it just yeah it gives you a lot of opportunities it doesn't play over overly long like even the past fours they give you some wedges so um yeah i like that that's one of those (laughs) yeah right so (laughs) yeah yeah so here's the good news. You're playing really well. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is your and you have to be patient, right? Cuz you can't you can't try to win cuz everybody would win every week if that was the case. Yeah. Why are you playing so consistently well and what are you doing to make that happen? Um, well, yeah, I might, I kind of reset myself this season from kind of learning a lot from last season because last season I felt like I, I got really caught up in the ranking and I think that was the 101 mistake you can do out there. Um, mm-hmm. And so for this season, I was really like, so a few things you work on, which these days are mainly my wedges and putting because I just feel like I can save the most strokes right there and um, just kind of trust trust that you're working on the right things and that you can apply them on the course and um, then even out on the course to to don't be too hard on yourself because I can get I can get that sometimes so I'm like just you know um, even if it's post-shot routine maybe handling the emotions a little better highs and lows that's that's another thing I, I really work on um, and I do believe if, if I can if I can get better at that um, and and have it more stable that that it will be a very consistent season and even with more to come so um, yeah looking looking forward to it and and on the other hand it's 
it's I feel like especially this time of a year you, you kind of I mean you probably know better but you worked all the the off season long and now you're like okay I want to get out and compete I want to see if it works out I want to get out there again you know and um I feel like also this energy really helps if, if, if you can bring this on the course or at least um yep. you know in your mind so absolutely absolutely Ted so, Sophie, let me ask you um, just some general questions about your game. Do you have a favorite club in the bag? And what about a go-to shot? Is there also a go-to shot in the club, in the bag, excuse me? Um, it's definitely the driver. <laughs> no, I like that one. And um, On the other hand, it's it's not really a go-to shot, but I feel like with a driver and also with the irons, I can kind of rely on three-quarter shots just hitting the fairway sometimes. That's what I actually did in longbow a lot. Like, yeah, you can hit the three-wood, you know, but I was like, you know what, just tee it up and get it in the fairway. Or, like, now you really have to hit it high and further. So I feel like just the, the variation of it, um, I feel like um, that's what makes it fun to practice with but also I feel like that's kind of a nice thing to see on the course at the end of the day I do have a tendency of a draw though so I feel like um, I can especially in my iron game I can rely on that Um, and that's just a good thing to know Um, so yeah what um, you you mentioned I think if I remember correctly I think you said on hole 12 you pulled it left um, on Mm -hmm. the back nine uh, of um, of this last weekend so what is your tendency when you hit a bad shot do you tend is it tend to be a pull because you are more consistently a drawer of the ball as opposed to a fader of the ball is that sort of your I won't say your bad shot but is that your tendency when when it doesn't come off the way you want is that typically what happens is it ends up being a pull or is there something else um, most of the time, definitely, because I either get a little quick or just use my use my hands last second, and um, that's that's one of those. Um, the other option is definitely if if it's those days where I don't really go through, it's this high right, um, but definitely a club face thing. Um, yeah, but other than that, the pull is is the one I do see once in a while when <laughs> you don't want to see it. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, and that that's typically the the better players tend to do that. Uh, they get a little quick with the hands and and um, either hook it or, or pull it to the left. Um, so let me ask you, maybe you could give a little tip to to our audience. Um, obviously, the the better players, players on tour like yourself, and of course Cindy, have a very solid pre-shot routine. Um, which is something that's very inconsistent with a lot of amateur players. They're one minute they're, you know, maybe waggling their club a couple times, the next minute they're doing something different. They're never very consistent. Obviously, I would assume you have a very consistent pre-shot routine. But what do you think about when you're standing over the ball and you're ready to sh- to shoot? Cuz that's something too a lot of amateur players have a million things running through their minds and they don't have do you have one swing thought that you focus on when you're ready ready to, uh, when you've addressed the ball and you're ready to, to pull the trigger, as it were, is there one swing thought, or what is your thought process? Um, I mean, yeah, it kind of starts all with the preparation, like what hit, club do I want to hit, wind, and so ever. But I, that's one of the big things I also kind of learn with the time, because that's the thing, like, 
if I plan to hit it like let's say right of the flag a little bit because of whatever factor, the last second was always like, Ooh, do I have to adjust it? But this thing we're like really no, that's what you planned on and now you have to execute it. So it's more like a trust yourself thought instead of and like mm. now it's time to hit it instead of really like doubting it or like I don't have many technical things in the last minute. Um, I mean, that maybe sometimes depends on week to week. If if I do sure. maybe have a tendency and struggle with one thing, I might say, okay, just kind of have the cops, you know, the hands a little more palmer or something. But most of the time it's also like rhythm, just, you know, especially if it's maybe a little in contention or I do get a little nervous, you know, then I'm like, okay, just keep the rhythm or the tempo, call it whatever. So that's, that's, one I have most of the time. Um, final, final thought. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of players, as I said, a lot of uh, are and I'm talking about our amateur players, and I'm sure you see, you know, seen them in pro ams and that, and they're they're all over the place. There's no consistency in, in how they address the ball. There's no consistency in how they play um, the round, uh, and and their thought process is very, is literally all over the map, and that's why they they tend not to improve. So if you were um, let's say, coach for a day with a group of, of students, um, what would be your overlying message to them? What would you say to them? Because, um, again, obviously they're all different, different swings and things like that. So, you know, obviously there, there's those things to factor in. But what would your overall message be um, at the end of the session? What would you want to uh, instill on them to, to have, help them moving forward? What, what would the message be overall? Um, I mean, it's also one thing of those amateurs, like the, the practice things. So I feel like sometimes just because they just get so many few reps and then we do and then they expect to hit the perfect shot. And I think it's more like to like really accept what you have in your bag and what you can play with. And that's mm-hmm. the thing because this one guy would probably have the curve to the left or the one hit it high and like kind of accept this and play with it especially if you're out there you you can work on other things on the range but i feel like really yeah play with what you have out there and um and then at the end of the day to to accept it and and trust it i mean maybe they are still a little like yeah how should i trust this but um i think it's (laughs) it's just another trust trust in their game you know yeah it might be a little less consistent than ours is but at the end of the day i feel like if they can see the shots and and trust that i think that that just helps a lot yeah and and i think you're exactly right i think whatever game you have that particular day that's what you have to play with too many amateurs get out in the golf course they start tinkering around with their grip and they start you know trying to adjust their alignment um and all kinds of things and ultimately ends up making the matters worse so i agree i think you have to trust with what you brought that game uh, or the game that you brought that day. And then, you know, after uh, or the next time you're on, on a practice session, then you can work out some of the kinks and the bugs then, but don't do it out on the on the golf course uh, while you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, some great advice. Yeah, some great advice, Sophie. Um, Cindy, go ahead. What do you do to quiet the voice of caution? You know how you said you're standing over the shot, you're ready to go, and then all of a sudden a little, you know, whoop, Whoop, I call it my Cynthia, my evil twin who's mm-hmm. trying to protect me when I'm ready to pursue. So how do you handle that? Oh, that's a good thing. Um, 
us, I kind of start accepting it. Like, yeah, it's there or like not accepting it, but being aware of it, that it's there. And then I'm like, but it doesn't help you. So at the end of the day, I feel like, especially if I don't have a caddy, I'm like, you really need to be your best friend out there, you know? So it's great to have maybe this little voice coming up, but I'm like, no, you're not going to win this time. Um, <laughs> so I really like, I, <laughs> so I just really like, well, you figure you, you kind of calculated the shot as, as much as you can do. So even if somebody up there says no, I really just try to be like, no, from a more like rational point, I did it all the way from now. I can show that it works kind of, you know, like, um, trying to talk against it or with it, you know, kind of like, um, not like, okay, oh, oh, like to ignore it. I feel like um, I do see that it's there, and um, but just try not to give it too much attention or kind of try to prove it's wrong sometimes. So, um, yeah, and I think that's, that's just one of the things, like really where you're like, okay, um, be supportive of yourself, you know. It's, it's a long day out there. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I typically tell her I'm busy hitting a shot. I'll talk to you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That is a really good one. Because <laughs> uh, you got to have the right to try voice that. being the loudest. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Anyway, what do you like best about the life you've chosen? What I like best about the life on tour? Yeah. Um I think I think the traveling um it's it's one of those things you just see so many different people. Um that's that's great. Um you're kind of independent. It's not like you you live at this one spot and and you know kind of get sick of it after a while. I feel like I'm still at this point where I'm like, you know, I I haven't decided where where I want to live later on. I think that's that's one of the the ones up there. But I also think um to to do it every every week in and out and competing really I feel like it's just because even after a bad week I kind of go back and like okay those are the things I need to work on this was didn't go well this week but I would never trade it with a different job I'm like that's exactly what you want to do and I feel like kind of knowing that um definitely helps and um yeah you, you just have different things going on every week you know like even if it's like yeah you play golf every week but they're just the game feels different every every week every day so i think that's that's a fun challenge so yeah those are pretty much the main three things that's great that's great ted so sophie just as we get ready to to wrap up um with you um you're as cindy had mentioned the beginning you're getting ready to um play in the uh, Iowa again to uh, challenge your, your last season. Um, what are you going to do going into this round, uh, into this tournament? What, what's your thought process coming in? You had, you had a very good uh, last week um, and play a lot of great rounds. What's your thought process coming into this week as you defend? Um, I mean, I really kind of got to got to. I feel the feel of excitement, I would say. Like, you know, there was a time where you're like, you can think about this either way. But I'm like, Sophie, it's, it's something fun to do, you know. And it will be probably a little different that week, you know. You kind of 
like see a couple pictures or this and this, but that's that's pretty cool, you know. And I feel like at the end of the day, that's that's why we do it. So, um, but on the other hand, I do know it was last year, so so take the, the good memories with it. But this year, it's it's a new tournament, so um, that's mm-hmm. why I kind of feel like okay, try to pay attention that you maybe get your your little downtime moments as well, and don't you know get too crazy about everything and. But other than that, I'm like, yeah, I do play my practice round of any other tournament. Um, I do prepare and practice for it. So, um, and last week was was a good week. So I definitely think um, I can take some confidence going into it. But um, I mean, it's it's a new event, so we'll we'll mm-hmm. go from there. So nothing, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great attitude to to go. Uh, into this week's uh, event. Well, good luck, Sophie. Um, we, uh, and if you uh, if you manage to win, uh, we'll hopefully see you back here next Tuesday um, as we uh, bring the winners forward. So yeah, so get out there and win it. We want to we want to have uh, we want to continue this conversation with you. So go and win it, and and uh, and uh, most importantly, have fun. Uh, we appreciate you taking time with us this morning, and good luck at this uh, week's event. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Cindy. Have a good one. Uh, good luck, right. honey. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, Sophie Hausman um, from the Epson Tour. She's uh, defending her title at the Iowa Championship uh, this week, and uh, I think she's going to do very well. She's a very strong player, very down-to-earth, and uh, I think she's uh, most importantly going to have a lot of fun. So, All right, we're going to take a real fast break. Um, to hear this message from Golf Tips Magazine, and then we will bring Debbie out and talk with her about the upcoming Marilyn Smith Pro-Am. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. Um, I told you it was going to be quick. All right, we're excited to have uh, our next guest, uh, Debbie Wakis. Uh, she's been on a number of times over the years. Uh, we're always happy to have her. And she's uh, passionate about golf, uh, particularly how it positively impacts people personally and professionally. Uh, she founded uh, her business, Golf for Cause, uh, in 2000, uh, which was designed to empower businesswomen through golf. Uh, she also wrote a book entitled Get Your Golf On, and uh, sits on the board of the First Tee of Phoenix and women in the golf industry. Uh, but she's most proud of her work with the LPGA co-founder and World Golf Hall of Fame member, Marilyn Smith, as a confident and co-tournament director of her annual Pro-Am. Uh, since Marilyn's passing, passing uh, she co-founded the Marilyn Smith and Founders Legacy Foundation to forward the spirit and legacies of the trail-blazing LPGA founders and pioneers. So, Cindy, let's welcome back. Debbie Waitkiss. Good morning. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? We're, doing We're fantastic. How are, you? How are you? 
I'm well. And, Cindy, I'm excited to hear that you're going to play in the senior event. Yes, I am. That's I'm awesome. excited so, to come. It, well, I'm sure we'll order up some good weather for you. <laughs> good. Don't make it too hot, though, will you? Yeah, well, we'll go for those early morning starts. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but it was, then it you was go ahead. nice listening to it was nice listening to you and Sophie um, chat a little bit about the course. I've played Longbow numerous times, and I'm happy to talk with you offline about some strategy. So <laughs> you'll do just fine. It's a great it's a great track. Awesome, awesome! I can't wait. Thank you. So tell us Did what's you go going ahead. on. Well, we have a lot going on, and. As you both know, you know, I've worked passionately with Marilyn for her Pro-Am, which funds her scholarship fund. And in 2018, we made the decision in, in pretty much for a succession planning uh, strategy, if you will, to link her Pro-Am with Founders Cup. And so the first one with that to happen was in 2020. So from the fall of 2018 when we were holding her pro-am, it didn't make any sense to turn around and do a pro-am in March of 2019 and do those asks. So we had a little bit, about a year and a half, if you will, to gear up for this big event with, you know, with being a, a big girl event, if you will, with the with a tour event. And uh, sadly, Marilyn passed in the midst of that planning session. And then when we had the, the first one in 2020, two days prior to the event, it was canceled due to COVID. So come, we've had this hiatus now of, of four years as a, you know, a bit of a vacuum. So we're really excited to bring back her, her pro-am. We did do virtual Sunday teams in the midst of, um, in the midst of COVID. And the Sunday tea has really been more of a, a, a meet and greet for we have so many people who come in from around the country to play in the pro-am and you know when you go to play in a golf tournament that you know you, you see the people that you're with and and uh, maybe a quick passing with some of the others during the reception times but not really a a quality visit so we added the Sunday tea in advance to be a, a meet and greet and we've always had someone interview the marquee players who were participating and typically it's been Ron Syrak and Bill Huffman, and this year it will be Bill Huffman. But uh, it, 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 it was more than just the interviews, but also a really a love fest for the community. We opened this, the Sunday tea up to anyone who wants to, to uh, attend and really get a taste of um, what the, the feeling is and the education and the ability to interact with these ladies. And also we have an expo and an auction and, and we serve food and beverage and, and tea. <laughs> but um, it's, it's the ability to bring a junior and have a junior get a taste of what, what these trailblazing women did and maybe humble them a little bit, but they can talk with them about their swings, um, their favorite clubs and um, things along those lines. So really uh, a, bit, a bit of a love fest. And Marilyn Smith and Shirley Spork had always done book signings as well. So we're excited to have that come back 
to our valley live as as well as adding the pro am again too. That's great. That's great. The now, um, how the, do you find how do you fill the pro am? How do we fill the pro am? Yeah, are, are people coming in from out of town? Is yeah. it all local people? It's both. It's local people and people from out of town. We've had a really nice following over the years. I mean, look at Marilyn made everybody her friend, and she delivered thousands of clinics all around the country, well, all all around the world, actually. And because of her nature of really welcoming people in, she she attracted this following repeat when she had her pro am people came, and so we have folks coming from I want to say Colorado, uh, uh, the Midwest, uh, Texas, California, obviously Arizona. Um, I'm not sure if we've got anyone from the far east coast yet who's signed up to play, um, it, but sometimes it's a pro that comes and brings a team, and sometimes it's it's just the team that comes and gets matched up with someone or has their favorite pro that, you know, can I play with her again? So, and I know, well, oh, Kitty Robot is coming from California and she has, there's a group that likes to play with her. So um, I've reached out to let them know that she's coming so that they should get registered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's yeah, really, fantastic. it's really, it's really, um, a, very respectful and joyous and um, a, a big a big love fest, if you will, in honoring the history and learning more about the history of of what these ladies accomplished. You know, um, Debbie Marilyn has done so much um, in her career, not just as a player, but um, giving back so much. And maybe for those that are tuning in for the first time that aren't familiar with her scholarship fund, maybe you could just give us a little bit of a uh, description of, of what it is and, and how it works and, and some of the things that she's done to give back um, for all of oh. the, the... Go ahead. Happily, happily. Um, so Marilyn, I mean, think about this. The LPGA was founded in 1950. And where were girls in 1950? They were more of the uh, June Cleaver. Um, they were being trained to be June Cleavers, you know, uh, as far as being homemakers. And the opportunities for girls and for women weren't the same as they are now. And now they're, you know, the, things are getting better. They're certainly not uh, perfect, if you will, um, with respect to parity and whatnot. But it was pretty unusual for a girl number one to be an athlete and to be nurtured as an athlete. And when Marilyn was playing golf and playing collegiately, it was difficult to get money to play in intercollegiate tournaments. And when her father had asked for, as her advocate for support, he was told, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, that your daughter is not your son because otherwise there'd be money for her. And that really, that sat with her. And I think as she tasted some success on tour, um, and not only with her playing, as you had mentioned, Ted, but also that drive inside of how can, how can, I, do, how can I make a difference? 
And Marilyn never really asked permission. She was one of those that would ask forgiveness, if you will. And she, she started a lot of things. She, she figured, let's, let's give it a go and let's see if this works. And so she started in 1999 a scholarship fund to send young women to college, girls who are incoming freshmen, so graduating seniors. And the fund right now is administered through the LPGA Foundation. There uh, is an application process that opens in the late fall and then closes, I want to say, typically on January 31st, and then a selection process happens. And the, the girls receive money to, to go to school. And sometimes, you know, the girls who are going to a D1 school are often, they, they've got a full ride. The, the real the stellar ones that that we that we see and and read about all the time um, this money will typically get a young lady to a college that she really wants to go to so think about this if you are the star athlete and you have an opportunity to get a scholarship Maryland's vision was why not let that money get you to somewhere other than your state school why not, why not get an education at an institution that will give you a really good education and get you somewhere where you want to be and, um, and branch out? You know, you'll have, when you get to college, you'll have, because you're on this team, you've got this community already. You've got this group of friends. You know, golf opens doors for you. There's, her, her vision was that it wasn't necessarily to help someone become the next tour player, although mm-hmm. um, a good example of, of not of that, I guess you, you could say, is Caroline Inglis. And she just played in the Epson Tour event down in, uh, here in uh, Mesa uh, this past week. She's a Maryland Smith Scholarship recipient. And, oh, but wow. mostly it's these girls who, um, to give them a leg up and so they can get an education, they have a community, they can have a career, uh, golf opens doors. And that's what Marilyn had experienced. And as the mom for everybody, she wanted, uh, she wanted everyone to have, to have that same opportunity. So th- that was kind of the impetus with the scholarship. And one of the things I should tell you, since her passing, we gathered the scholarship recipients with whom we had contact um, information from, because some of them, since it's 1999, we don't really have the info anymore. And now we've tried to stay in touch with them. But we, um, we did some, we did a Zoom with them. We've done some surveying and they gave themselves a name instead of um, the mouthful of Marilyn Smith scholarship recipient. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. (laughs) they named themselves Marilyn's Pearls. And for those who don't know, Marilyn always wore pearls when she, well, she always wore pearls. When she played, she just always wore them and dressed as a movie star, if you will. And (laughs) so they've, they've named themselves Marilyn's Pearls. And so we have a collection of pearls now and with our new foundation, we actually have a pearl on our board, which is quite lovely. Um, but the, uh, the scholarship, I mean, it's a big deal. And, and sometimes it's not just the money, but it's that sense of that there's, there's someone who believes in me. There's someone who mm-hmm. takes an interest. And those who had the benefit of being uh, a pearl while Marilyn was still alive, 
they, they pretty much became pen pals. Marilyn wrote to all of them and, and stayed in touch with all of them, which is really, really quite amazing. There are over 200 young ladies who have received scholarships and in the amount of over a million dollars is what's been awarded, which is just amazing. Yeah, and there's going to be another eight scholarships awarded at $5,000 each uh, for this year, correct? That's correct. And when, while Marilyn was still alive, we were up to 30 a year. In her passing, the, um, the amount dropped to five. And with our new foundation uh, for this year, we've added on an additional three. So hopefully we'll get more. The goal with the program that's coming up is that that will fund an additional 15 scholarships as well so that we'll start getting back to near that that number of 30 and perhaps blow that out of the water and do even more. You never know. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and I, and I think it's found, yeah, and I think it's fantastic too that the fact that it's not um just going towards and that doesn't mean that they're excluded, but going towards women who uh necessarily have uh tour aspirations. It's for uh, obviously you can tell that Marilyn was very um somebody that believed in, in a good education um, for, a found, you know, for that foundation. And so obviously you know, somebody may navigate those waters and become a, a tour player, but it's not a prerequisite for um, you know, earning this, this scholarship. So I think it's, it's fantastic. Um, and I like the, the Maryland's Pearls. I think that's great. So tell us about the, the, um, the Maryland Smith and Founders Legacy Foundation. Tell us a little bit more about that. What are uh, some of the aspects of it? Well, there were several of us who are like-minded souls that are really um, have been touched and moved with what the founders have done in order to create this this tour that is the I, I believe it's the longest women's uh, organization, sports organization that it currently exists in the world, um, and the skill sets that they had to um, leverage when women weren't even considered to have skill sets beyond homemakers, right, um, what they did to actually build a tour. And I think we've been fortunate, many of us, to actually have personal relationships with some of the founders. And so we came together and started this foundation. In fact, Shirley Spork is a, is a founding member of the organization as well. And Shirley, for those who don't know, is another one of the LPGA mm-hmm. founders. And uh, she will be 95 in May this year. Um, but the idea wow. was number one we've got um, we've got Maryland's memorabilia, right? So mm-hmm. how can we purpose that uh, for educational purposes to to use that for others to learn about who these women were and what they did and why they're important? Um, so the our memorabilia project, if you will, uh, Shirley has this vision of us having a a large vehicle, uh, you know, some sort of a, a truck of some sort that can be driven around to various locations, whether they are NCAA events, um, different places that we can set up and have a, a physical museum, a display. So that's one of the things that we're, we're looking at doing. 
Um, but we're in the process of inventorying items and getting the stories behind them. Um, Shirley has bequeathed some of her items as well. So we've been recording her talking about them. So because something could be, you know, this box or this frame, but you don't know the, the significance of it until you hear the story behind it. Um, we're adding mm-hmm. a little bit of technology to that as well, using QR codes to go deeper in order to tell those stories so that you can actually click on that and then learn more about what the heck you're looking at. Um, <laughs> so we've got, we've got that project um, as far as one of the aspects of the foundation. And then we also have the pearls as a community We've gathered them together, as I mentioned, and they've become their own mentorship community, and not just for each other. But and if you think about this, since it started in 1999, these women are all different phases. They've gone through um, the aspects of playing, competing, and what it's like in the business world, what it's like to be a woman in the business world, the choices that they're making so that they can rely on each other and have each other to um, as a sisterhood, if you will, as a sounding board or, or a safe place. And then also they are there for young women who want to play collegiate golf, who want to pursue a career in golf so that they, can, they have someone to connect with as well and um, have a mentor or someone to get advice from. So um, we're nurturing that community as well, and just connecting them. They've never been connected together before, so it's really been lovely, lovely, lovely to um, to see as that's evolving. And then the the third aspect. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ted. No, no, no. That's. I was just going to say. Um, I was just going to mention about that as well. I want you to definitely talk about that. Um, about the third aspect, which is which is yes. fundraising. Yes. Yeah. Because um, any yeah. any foundation, I mean, at the heart of it, if you're not a fundraising organization, you're going to die on the vine. You need to have money coming in, <laughs> right, uh, as any business would. But uh, continuing Maryland's program, which has been the um, cornerstone of the fundraising component for the scholarship fund. But also we've had some other things that have transpired with, for example, uh, Carla Glasgow was the first that um, did this, actually, where she, she is a um, former tour player, LPGA teaching professional in Oregon, and the member guest event that her, um, that her club was, was doing, she said, you know, can we honor Marilyn in some way or do something for the founders? And so um, we strategized and did some things so that um, – her the the ladies at the club could actually learn more about the founders as well as adding a fundraising component. We did the same thing at the College and River Club with one of the members who um, um, who unfortunate to know through Golf Week magazine. She wanted to do something with their member guests. Um, to educate and and have them. She always sees me as so passionate about the founder. She's like, I want to learn more. How can I help make that happen for others too? <laughs> so, um, so they they honored the founders at their tournament. So we've got um, just trying to do some outreach around the country in different clubs to educate and create some awareness about um, the women and what they did and those skill sets and how to nurture them. 
um, in, in others and keep them relevant. So that's another, that's another component. And in our market here in Arizona, Terry Totlis, Tori Totlis just did a huge women's event where people came in from around the country. And that became a fundraiser also for the Marilyn Smith and Founders Legacy Foundation. And I'm happy to say I'm picking up a check from Tori this morning after we're done on the air here. <laughs> so, um, but I think these are all little tentacles that we have to be able to create some awareness. And um, what I'd like to do is share just a little story just to kind of hit home a little bit about what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about with the skill set of the founders. And, you know, if you think about any of the marketing that you do for for your businesses, um, I – Marilyn struck up a relationship with a gentleman by the name of Tom Quinlan. And Tom is or was the CEO of R.R. Donnelly. And if you remember, R.R. Donnelly was the very first sponsor of the Founders Cup here in Arizona when the players played for no money except for the points for the race to the globe for the CME, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And probably about mm-hmm. 12, 13 years ago. So I, I um, because Marilyn, once you become a friend, never lets go. Um, Tom's been a good friend. So I've stayed in touch with him. And this past summer, when I was on the East Coast in New York, he and I went to lunch. And I asked him, how did this ever come to be? I mean, how did you, a company that has never done any sort of sponsorship, never had a commercial on television, what? What, how did this come to come? How did it come about? And he said that his COO was really good friends with then Commissioner Mike Wan. And so he figured he'd go, they'd go and, you know, hear what he had to say and, and they'd meet. Well, over this meal, Mike had brought Marilyn Smith with him. And the four of them are having, whether it was lunch or dinner, and Marilyn leaned over to Tom and said, Sir, I see that that you're left-handed, just like Ben Hogan. And Tom (laughs) said for him, that was it. His name and Ben Hogan's name in the same sentence. (laughs) He said, where do I sign? (laughs) Right? Wow. So the ability to always be – creatively spinning something (laughs) to empower others and endear them and lift them up um, is a trait that, that moves mountains. And, Mm -hmm. um, and Marilyn had that and leveraged that um, constantly. And um, look, the founders cup tournament evolved out of that. And, you know, if if Mike would have taken her to everything, <laughs> there might have been even more. <laughs> right. But that's what. But that. Yeah. But that's what they did, and those, that's one of those traits that's important, especially for entrepreneurs or for anyone in a sales mm-hmm. position or um, right. owning a company. To think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to be definitely very observant uh, for sure. Uh, and just, I'm going to throw this out there. By the way, I'm left-handed too, so I'm in good company. Oh, um, you and Ben Hogan, Ted. Oh my goodness. Yeah, That's there you Mr. go. Hogan. <laughs> That's right. So, Debbie, tell us. Uh, just refresh everybody's memory. Uh, when the, when does the tournament take place? 
where can they go to get information, and if they want to uh, donate or, or what have you, what's, uh, give us all the, the, the uh, information that they need to go, and website and so forth. You bet. So I'll tell you the website first. It's the um, azgolf.org, which is the um, AGA website, azgolf.org. And you should be able to find it from there, but if you want to add the extension, it's AZ Women's Open. So azgolf.org mm-hmm. slash azwomensopen. And that has everything on there. The Sunday Tea, which will be at Papago, where you can sign up for that. We, we hope people will sign up because we need to know how much food to provide. And, um, and what um, listeners should know is that, let's see, uh, Kathy Whitworth will be there. Susie Burning will be there. She was just inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame earlier this month. Uh, mm-hmm. She's the participating honoree this year. Sandra Palmer will be there. Uh, Danielle and Dina Amakapani. The first three women uh, Bill will be interviewing, but there'll be a lot of the, the gals will be there. And in the pro-am, all those five same ladies are playing along with Pat Bradley is playing as well. So there are some wonderful, wonderful special guests and LPGA stars who will be um, joining in the in the pro-am. The pro-am will take place at Longbow on May 2nd. It'll be a morning shotgun, which is important when it's warm weather here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we will um, we'll have some on-course activities. As, and uh, it's, you, you play as a as a scramble along with the pro, so there'll be four amateurs along with the pro. We have a max of 30 teams, and then we'll have a lovely reception after the event as well, and uh, breakfast and luncheon and some food on the course and yada, yada, yada. So um, a wonderful, wonderful track. Oh, I should say, I should mention also that both at the um, at Papago Golf Club where the Sunday Tea will be and at Longbow, all the display cases are going to be replaced with memorabilia. And so for those who want to get a taste of using the QR codes to learn more about some of the items, that will be in play. And the items will be there for longer than just the days of the events. They'll be, be there for up to a month. Um, we're finalizing those details now. So we're pretty excited about having the, um, the memorabilia displays. We're going to have one at Papago in their large, large case um, of a fashion-forward uh, theme, if you will, because right now they have Bad Birdie in there, and so it's always been the fashion case. So we'll have some things of uh, some clothes of Marilyn and Shirley's and Sandra Palmer, who was always the wild dresser. <laughs> um, we'll have some we'll have some fun things there. Oh, and Sandra Palmer will be there as well. If I didn't mention Sandra's name, um, perfect. So we're we're pretty jazzed. Well, that's uh, fantastic, and uh, we're sure it's going to be a, a great event, and we encourage everyone to uh, visit the website to learn more. It's azgolf.org slash azwomensopen. Uh, you can get all the information there and include how to uh, participate if you choose or, or maybe how you can help out the uh, uh, foundation as well. Um, Debbie, as always, thank you very much for joining Cindy and I this morning, and I know Cindy's going to be looking for some inside scoop on Longbow, so you guys will have to connect uh, at some point off air as well. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us, and, and keep up the great work. Well, you too, Ted, and thank you so much for um, sharing sharing the message, sharing the passion, and for all that you do. And thanks, Cindy, and yes, we'll talk offline. 
Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Debbie. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Debbie Wittkus, uh helping to head up the um, next Maryland Smith Pro-Am coming up in uh, a little over a month's time. So uh, make sure you visit that website to, uh, again, learn more information. All right, Cindy, that's it, another show. And uh, I know you mentioned you're going to be heading down in the next couple of weeks to uh, uh, Orange County again to do another boot camp, right? You got it. <laughs> All right, we'll work them hard. All right, on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Rico. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStreamLive, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.